0: Hello and welcome to Papsolutely Fabulous We are Papagena, a five-piece women's a cappella group and this podcast is a bit of a peek into the minds of the singers of the group We are Abby, Susie, Sarah, Lizzie and another Susie and in each podcast we have a chat about our experience as a female vocal ensemble trying to make it in the classical music world If you enjoy what you hear and want to know more, please visit our website papagena.co.uk or check out our social media channels at Papagena Singers. Thanks for listening.
1: So welcome everybody, welcome back to our second podcast. We are Papagena and uh, just to remind you, we're made up of Abby. Hello. And Lizzie. Hello. And Sarah. Hi. And Susie. Hello. And I'm also Susie. And uh, today we're going to be talking about our brand new album Hush, which has uh, come out recently. We're also going to be giving you a little bit of an insight on our pre-concert prep, what it's like backstage being in Papagena. And we're going to do another shout out to the industry. So we're going to start by uh, celebrating the fact that we have uh, released our new album. Ooh. And it is called Hush. And we're really excited about it. Um, I'm just wondering, guys, if you've got anything you want to sort of say at this stage.
2: We had a wonderful couple of days recording it at Shallow Park Studios with the brilliant Adrian Peacock. Yeah, it was a whole weekend. and We all stayed over.
3: All at Sarah's, I think, was it?
4: Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> all bunked up.
1: It was fabulous. And uh, we are also beautifully looked after by Will and his wonderful wife, who was so close to having a baby, I can't believe she managed to cook all that oh, yeah. wonderful oh, food. It was delicious.
2: Whilst being
4: so heavily pregnant. It was a really relaxing place to record, wasn't it? The studio is sunken, isn't it? So when you, you kind of go down to it... Down the slope. You're met by the most gigantic poodle I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that dog was so gorgeous. And then, yeah, really comfy sofas and things to make you feel really relaxed, mm, weren't they? Like you... cake homemade cakes provided Uh, yeah
1: it's just lovely and proper coffee we were um, given the delights of Lizzie's uh, Jericho coffee that you brought with you
2: we drink a lot of coffee well most of of us do some of us
3: some of us aren't allowed probably should point out that it is actually Lizzie and her
4: husband's Absolutely. coffee business.
2: Thanks, guys, for the plug. It's called Jericho Coffee Traders.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many groups have their in-house coffee supplier? It's just a, a amazing. Um, and, and of course, we did some singing. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Um, about that. And then
3: after the singing, we ate again.
1: Mm. <laughs> One of my favourite moments of that was watching um, Abby and Susie record Changeling Lullaby. Um, that was a I think it went on our social media page there was a little bit a clip of footage of the two of you um, trying to kind of keep that lightness of that beautiful lullaby Susie you nearly left the floor you were on your tiptoes so high
0: yeah I know I felt like I wanted to put a note to all my singing students saying don't do this when you're singing (laughs) 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 I was basically standing on (laughs) tiptoes
2: It was, yeah, it was quite difficult. That was a great clip, wasn't it? It
4: was mesmerising.
2: <laughs> and Lizzie, you you stood on one leg for most of the recording. Sort I of. know. I wasn't even singing in that. <laughs> and for some reason I decided to rotate my foot round and round like oh, when you're on a yeah. plane and you're trying not to get deep vein thrombosis. And so unfortunately, be- beautiful ethereal singing from Abby and Susie. And then my foot just going round and round.
5: <laughs> hush a while, hush a while, sleep now.
1: process as well it's quite an interesting thing to go through as a group such a small group because we a lot of us are used to singing in big choirs where just the director goes out and has a listen and then comes back in but it was quite nice for the five of us to be able to go in have a little listen go oh my goodness is that what i sound like let's do that again yeah. um or that sounds really lovely or or actually to get a sort of hint as to what adrian might do with the sound um because obviously
4: um, with technology you can um create some wonderful spaces i agree susan i i I love the way Adrian was actually trying to get us to make the sound that we felt very comfortable with, and that was what he was trying to capture in the recording, rather than saying to us, you just sing it and I'll add, you know, I'll add the reverb, Mm. I'll add the stuff later. It was very much that he wanted us to sing in the way we wanted us to sing and to sound. Yes.
2: Yes, so much so that, in fact, when we were recording A Woman's If, he was in the room with us and he wanted us to perform it to him and that just made such a difference in making it come alive. In fact, didn't one of us not even realise, it was Abby. (laughs) Abby didn't even realise that we'd recorded it. I thought we were still (laughs)
3: rehearsing it for him to get a feel for the live performance and then he was going to go away and then we were going to record it and I was thinking, Cox, it was the last piece of the weekend, wasn't it? We were pretty tired and I was thinking, my God, we've still got to record this. Have we all saved enough? You know. And he
2: was like, right, that's a wrap. I was like... Have we done it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For people who haven't heard that one, this is A Woman's If, which is based on the Rudyard Kipling's poem, If. And it just gives uh, everything from a woman's perspective. And it's the words are by Catlin Moran. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's brilliant. And um, the music's by Jim yeah. Clements. And we yeah. found
4: we've we were trying to find a piece specifically for the edinburgh festival weren't they i think that that's how it all came about that obviously when you perform in edinburgh um you want a real showstopper of a, of a piece and um we couldn't find a funny text Do you remember we all were desperately trying to find funny texts mm-hmm. um there's something about choral humour. It's 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 often quite twee, and it's not really side-splittingly funny. It's it's ever so slightly cringy. And yeah. and then mm-hmm. uh, Jim Clements found the text, I think, and said, "Oh, look, guys, I, this is the one." And and then then we had the thing of, "Oh gosh, well, how do we get permission from Catelyn Moran?" Does anyone remember? quite how that happened because we yeah he sent her a tweet oh
3: brilliant we spent a while trying to track that track her down via I think I found her publisher or her some kind of PR type person and then Susie in the end you just tweeted her didn't you and she got straight back Almost straight
1: away. And then that was the last we heard from her, and we sent it to her about a thousand times. So we <laughs> tweeted her, we've done it, recorded it, we filmed it, and nothing. So, but it was nice of her to reply and actually give us some permission.
2: It would, yeah, thank goodness she replied. But Catelyn, if you're out there and li- want to listen to it, have a listen. It's awesome.
5: The woman... Work. Despite you having built, built your, your own nuclear accelerator, accelerator.
4: If you can give birth to an eight-pound, seven-ounce baby, despite shouting... Actually, i changed my mind! Can someone else
2: do this? This is quite unpleasant. Halfway
4: through.
5: If you can, can find, find a pair, a pair of, comfortable of comfortable yet sexy shoes, shoes for a black-tie event... Which aren't ballet flats. Or appear on a TV, TV panel, panel show, show as the token, token woman, woman and survive more of the final than just shots of you laughing, laughing at something that Paul Merton said. If you can wear a black and, and wear a black and white tip it it for a meeting it it for a meeting for a meeting for a meeting for to sugar's sugar's love.
4: love it don't they I mean they they really really
0: love it I love performing it it's just such a great one for like having interactions with the audience you know kind of you can see the people that are comfortable with catching your eye and having a bit of a laugh with you and that's that's really nice that's one of the reasons why it was really why we were so uncertain I think about putting it on the CD because that's so important when we are performing to have that interaction
2: I I think that's what makes a quite a special group because we're not just going to come and sing a really beautiful serious concert and change people's lives in that respect I feel like we're a quirky interesting group we've got amazing mm. array of repertoire and I think that's that's what makes us us absolutely as we said it, um, before you can have a nun and a biker
1: in the same concert and they both go away with something.
4: <laughs> yeah, It is funny how often um, our audiences do comment on the fact that they feel they're allowed to laugh in our concerts because so many classical concerts the audiences just feel they're not allowed mm-hmm. to do it um, and possibly because the pieces aren't funny but I think it's really lovely that our audiences can feel relaxed. It's okay yeah. to laugh, it's okay to find things genuinely funny and it doesn't upset the classical vibe, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, do you remember that time just thinking about audience reaction that time when we we often start our concerts with a piece called Hamasha Asar don't we and and Susie Perkis starts to sing this amazing Sephardic song and after the solo we gently join in and then suddenly we all turn around and, and give a little whoop And I remember doing that in one concert, and I can't remember where it was, but the poor lady in the first row, she'd obviously gone to sleep a bit, and at the root, she just threw her program up in the air and screamed. (laughs) (laughs) It was just so
5: funny.
2: (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: podcast last um time that we've had phenomenal success with Hush. And we're really delighted with it all um and some of the music that was on it um took a quite a great deal of effort to source in fact we ended up having to commission some of it ourselves
4: that's true um the main piece we commissioned was the woman's if the rest of the the repertoire it's interesting we've we just got such a collection of of consoling pieces and sacred pieces but also pieces which are mildly kind of telling you off. Um, And we came to the realisation that the word hush, especially if we added an exclamation mark after it, would kind of wrap all those pieces into into one concept. Um, We were just lucky that we, we found that word that seemed to, to encapsulate all the repertoire that we really, really wanted to put on the disc. So there are a few lullabies on, on the disc, as you would imagine. I think anyone picking up an album called Hush would, would expect that. So we've got Changeling's Lullaby, haven't we? And one of the pieces that I loved singing uh, on it was Subo Seltzie. That's a Romanian piece about Mary standing by a willow tree. It's
2: a real favourite, that one. Everyone always says, oh, I really that like that voice. one. I really liked the the low one. I don't know why I did that voice. I really like that one. I don't know anyone who talks like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. The reason that
1: I love Subo is because it showcases... Yeah, just, you, peak.
0: you say that, actually, and I hadn't actually ever thought of that piece in mm. that way. 'Cause it is a trio. I really feel like with that one, the three of us sing as one. It has to be so together. We have to feel each other so much.
4: But you you kick it off. You you yeah. kick off that piece which I think sets the mood that, that the rest of us kind of join. I think Susie's right. I think it does showcase you. And it's
2: beautiful. Well,
1: shall we have a little listen to it and then the yes, listeners please. can decide. <laughs>
5: Salochi let
4: Has, has told us, haven't they, that they, they actually really like seeing the different personalities come out and contrast yeah. with each other. It's one of the things they latch onto. It's not just our different voices, but then they wonder at the fact that the five different voices can really blend, but it's our five different personalities. And talking
1: about the different personalities, I mean, they really do shine um, in all elements of
2: Papagena, um, particularly when we're backstage.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we all have very different Ways of preparing for concerts.
4: I, don't, I never really know what you guys do just before we go on stage because I tend to take myself off, don't I? I Leave.
3: To... you do, and I do the same, Sarah. I think you You and I, way I perceive it, Suzy, Susie, Susie, Lizzie, are quite, they're just bantering away, whatever, and then they go on and just, like, do it. Susie, you're you, you're in between. You sometimes, like, have a bit of calm time, a bit of yoga-y type stuff. Sarah and I are, like, <laughs> super quiet and just, like get ready and try and find a corner somewhere and stretch and yeah it's quite interesting and then there's, isn't
1: it that, there's always that moment where one of us one of the sopranos goes oh my god we're doing god says yes who's got nail polish oh, yeah. <laughs> because we need nail polish um as a prop for that and the, the amount of times that we've gone on stage with nail varnish that is still wet we are blowing <laughs> in the wings to try and dry um, and then the next day um, I, I've said this to you guys before that I sit there playing the piano at school for my students and I look down at my nails and they're an absolute disgrace <laughs> because I've been turning pages and picking up like bottles of water and everything, all with wet nail varnish on, Mm. all for one line in one song (laughs) with Papagena. (laughs) This is so true. I like the warm-ups as well um, that everybody does and how different they are and everyone's approach to warming up before a concert. Um, Mine is very sporadic. Sarah's is beautiful, really beautiful and incredibly melancholy. Yes, haunting. Yes,
4: only in the minor key and always descending. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Abby,
3: stratospherically high. Squawky soprano warm ups. Guilty as charged.
4: <laughs> and then Legato. I'm always really jealous of the fact that you guys can seem to be able to eat, stuff your faces just seconds before you go on. I'm just so jealous of that because I have to. Stop eating really about two hours before I go on, which is a real pain. But you, you're, I mean, listen, you're you're chewing
2: Percy Peaks right till the second we've <laughs> all gone. It's, the, it's energy. It's like the Lucasade that got me through the um, Three Choirs <laughs> Festival. It's just, it's a little burst of energy before the gig. Some of our dressing rooms are particularly petite as well.
1: They go, oh, there's just five of you. You're right in the green room. And you say, yes, having never been to the venue. And you rock up and it is the size... It was a vestry that that one priest normally uses, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's ample space for one person. Um, there's not even room for five chairs. <laughs> What's
4: the smallest dressing room we've ever been in? Huh? Just it was, like it was Enville, yeah. Oh, yes, that was tiny. It was so tiny that Susie Van Gogh and I, we were having a chat in the interval and I realised at one stage that my head was perilously close to the electricity board and that if I just moved <laughs> one centimetre back I would have blown the entire church's <laughs> electrics out. It was it's just nowhere small. to go. we love Paul, and a few other people. I think we've come to the time of the show where we like to give a shout out to some of our really wonderful colleagues in the industry and and today we're going to talk about the BBC because they've been absolutely brilliant for us and really supported us from the word go, haven't they? Really since we did that concert
3: on International Women's Day, that's when <clears throat> we first kind of came to their attention. Prior to that we'd
1: had a concert where we got a shout out on the radio from Petro Trelawney, we did a concert in Beckenham and uh, Petro Trelawney said something like, Oh, and uh, there's a group called Papageno who are doing a concert. And then he sort of stopped and said, oh, I'm terribly sorry. No, Papagena, that's the point. Yeah.
2: Um, that should be our tagline, shouldn't it? Papagena, that's the that's point. That's the point. And
1: then, yeah, Abby, you're right. We Then we went um, and sang on um, International Women's Day.
0: And who was the presenter for International Women's Day? Lovely. Sarah Walker.
2: Oh, we love Sarah Walker. She's
0: great. And then- Sarah slipped a CD to her in the toilet.
2: Well, she was
4: so encouraging. She asked us whether we had any CDs on her and she was so positive. I just remember her being in the studio audience on that occasion because it was quite scary to sing. It was our first BBC live uh, show, wasn't it? And... It was frightening, but I remember her lovely smiling face and all her encouragement. And mm. and she has gone on to play us so many times in her yeah. program, Sunday oh. mornings.
1: And then, of course, Darkest Midnight came out. In Tune had us on uh, with Sean Rafferty, and um, that was wonderful. Yeah. We've yeah. been on since as well. They've really helped us promote Hush, and they've played plenty of tracks. And I think we were on, we were on. Was it Record Review as well for The Darkest Midnight? That was on BBC. That's
2: right. Um, yeah, Radio with 3. Jeremy Summerlee. Sandra and... McGregor. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. great, actually. They were really lovely about that CD. But what was really nice is, was it the Christmas of 2018 when Darkest Midnight came out? We did In Tune, and then like a week later, we were on Women's Hour.
4: Still the highlight of my career. <laughs> but being on Women's Hour. Yeah. yeah. That was when I was so grateful that we actually... Knew our repertoire because do you remember we prepared? uh, They told us how many minutes of music to prepare, so we'd prepared some pieces, and then um, the format of the program changed just after we'd arrived, and we were in the dressing room. And I remember Jane Garvey coming in saying, "Actually, really sorry, but we we now need you to sing something for one minute twenty seconds or whatever." And thank goodness we had stuff up our sleeve, so we were able just there and then without any music to go straight Mm -hmm. into something. Um,
2: And then she sat on Abby's flapjack. <laughs> she did. <laughs> we had this radio
1: goddess coming in and talking to us and asking us lots of questions. And she obviously, her brain works at a thousand miles an hour. She's an incredible woman, storing so much information about the day. And then she sits down, and at the end, she leaves, and we're all going, Oh my goodness, that was Jane Garvey. And Abby went, She sat on my bag. She's probably <laughs> squashed my flapjacks.
3: <laughs> I was all worried about her like having like getting up and having Flapjack and Satsuma on her bottom for the rest of the day that's what I was worried about sorry Jane yeah
1: but the BBC have been really great and we are very very grateful to them so thank you BBC
2: thank you yay we love BBC
5: we love Paul and a few other people
1: so that's it from us please feel free to check us out on social media Um, but for now um, see you later bye bye Bye. Bye.